God. Hurry up, get into this. I, I'm, I'm full of rage. I mean, my God. I mean, listen, listen. I hate to say this. I really do. Guys work hard, but that SmackDown tonight, I swear, I've seen independent shows much better than that. It was, I don't know if I can say this or not, but it is the living shits, really. I mean, I watched the one hour, and I'm saying, well, it's got to get better in the second hour. It didn't get better. It got progressively worse. And it went on and on and on. And uh, I was dying for Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, just for their picture on the screen. Please, just get me something. And if you want to, if you want to dissect it segment by segment, let's go ahead because it was brutal. I swear to God, instead of capital punishment in this country, what I would do if somebody was convicted of a hideous crime like murder or raping an old person or something, instead of giving them death in the chair, you know, or yeah. you know, like that lethal injection or whatever, I would tie them down to a chair like this and. Uh, strap their legs and this arm down, leave this arm free and put a cyanide pill on the, on the shelf and make them watch over and over and over and over again. Smack down tonight. Then they would have a choice. They could either take the cyanide pill and end it or they could just watch it. I guarantee you 98% of them would take that pill. Say, just get me out of this. Hell, I can't take this. It just went on. It it was. Let's pick it apart. Go ahead. Let's pick it apart. What what did you think about it? I I thought that there was some good segments. <sighs> there was some rough segments. What, what the commercials? <laughs> I was begging. I was begging for commercials. Please give me something. They did one thing. What did they do? And they just cut away from it. It was with. Naomi or something. It was yes, yeah. And then all of a sudden they cut, and she's walking to the ring. I went, what? What is it? Uh, what is this? It was the Sammy, the Sammy Zayn back. The Sammy Zayn in, thing. Interview, yeah. What was that? that? There was a lot of stuff that was very confusing on this show. But yes, we're here to break it down. It's me, it's me, your true <laughs> phenom SP3 back alongside the legendary Dutch Mantel. Rick Uchino is not with us this week. We want to send our thoughts, our prayers yeah, to sure his do. family. He had a loss in the family, so we're dedicating this episode. We're holding down the front, the fort for the main host of Smack Talk, our good friend, Rick Uchino. We hope he's watching and knows that we at Sports Heater Wrestling want the best for him and his family, so our prayers, our thoughts out to all of them, but he chose a great week to take off if you're oh, just talking did. about the first two hours that we had to watch, according to Dutch Mantel. But you guys know what to do. Drop a thumbs up on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Give us a heart, a like emoji, a laugh emoji, an angry emoji if you feel like Dutch and you feel like you wasted the first two hours of this show. We'll get into a Or if you've wasted two hours of your life. You know, that's so saying that's two hours I'll never get back. This was the first show that ever really fit that. That's two hours that I could have put to another use. And I really, really hate, you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of bad stuff in wrestling. And I don't really say anything that much about it because the guys worked hard. It's not their fault. It's what the creative team lays out for them 
But whatever they laid out today just did not work at all. Now, they were on uh, what FS1. channel? I, I don't think they'll beat AEW this week. Wow. I, I think opening with Charlotte Flair, and you know Sasha was going to be out there, I think that was a bad way to open. Because well, they usually open, and it, and it shows her position in the company. I got that. But even that wasn't very good. Because what she did, that other girl come out, who, what's her name, Shotzi? Shotzi, Shotzi. Shotzi yeah. came out. Well, wait a minute, get into the show. And well, I'll yeah. dissect this. Yeah, let's get into that first segment. I remember, on remember, remember on my tweet today, I said, I, I have a theory. My wrestling yes. is nowhere like it used to be. I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, looking forward to that. Remember to put your thoughts, your comments in the live chat. Super chat donation. I wish this was. I wish this was tequila. <laughs> I'd it's, slam it down. That means it's not, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching us on demand, let us know what you thought about SmackDown and Rampage in the comment section below. But yes, it started off on SmackDown with the person that ended the show last week, the SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair. Uh, she came out. Michael Cole had a great description of the Flair-Becky uh, title exchange last week, calling it feisty. I'd say that's an understatement. Feisty uh, and <laughs> frosty. Let me ask you a question about that. Yes. I've read some reports that said they had words backstage and that she was asked to leave by the upper hands in WWE and she was escorted from the building. Is it's, that true or not? From from the sources that did do the reports is people that I trust, like Sean Rossap of Fightful, Alex McCarthy of TalkSport, and Mike Johnson of PW Insider. It said that this whole title exchange, you know, we talked about it last week, how it came off very awkward. And the reason why it came off very awkward is because it wasn't how it was supposed to go. Like Becky was supposed to get both titles in her hand and do the Becky two belts. But Charlotte Flair felt like it made her look uh, inferior by Becky holding both titles so she that's the reason why she dropped the raw woman's title and tried to make becky grab it and why becky threw the her title at uh charlotte and why becky kind of stormed off very angry visibly angry uh to you know lead into sasha and charlotte's exchange apparently when they went to the back becky let her have it making it making sure like she knew she she knew charlotte did that on purpose charlotte uh allegedly said that she did it by accident which not a lot of people believed her they got into like a whole altercation it didn't get physical but it was very heated becky went out for the dark match and then they said mm. charlotte was excused from the uh gorilla position she didn't talk to visic man which got visic man angry and then they had her escorted out the building before becky was done with her dark match so there wasn't a repeat altercation between the two okay if you really think of the of the draft system that they that they've used how long have they used that 10 15 years or so it started in 2002 so we're going on 20 years okay. since the, the 20, first 20 wwe draft for blair and split one of the things i think it could be a, i guess it's worked out well in the past in some instances but to draft your champion to the other show doesn't make sense to me you know it's almost like the nfl you you protect certain players they cannot even they can't be traded wouldn't you protect your champions that they won't be traded off and then when they and then when both of them changed they got the other show's belt the best thing to me would have been just have them 
they just automatically exchange. Especially, yeah. I mean, if you let's say I don't, I don't even know how that works. I think it's got more cons to it than uh, than than pros. But I didn't like that idea, and you could tell. Now I'm I'm watching the show, right? Yeah. So I'm watching it, and you could tell they were pissed off. You tell they were mad. And, Say the least. And she had it up there, and then she dropped it, and then she trying to grab it, and you know, and then Charlotte was making fun, and you know, you could tell that 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 was not a smooth development. Then Sasha shows up, and then. Uh, the man, she said, well, I'll see you in Raw. I'm out of here. And she just leaves. Very, very, uh, that was one of the, I mean, a clunky, clunky segment. And that's not yeah. what draws money. I mean, if you can't control, you can't control your talent from going out there and doing that. But see, they, they, they can't fire, they can't fire Charlotte Flair for it. I mean, if they if it was a lesser deal, they may have suspended her and put her on the shelf. And but you can't do it now because it was so obvious what she was doing, and that would just get them a lot of bad publicity. Plus, I think AEW they want her. That's another reason they can't they can't trade her away. So, but 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 believe but believe this, Vince will not forget that. Uh, I he, believe he, absolutely he will, right. He will not forget it, and he he'll hold grudges to the end of time till he dies. He'll always hold that against Charlotte Flair because he's gotten mad at guys. He got mad at Savage, and it lasted twenty years, and he wouldn't even talk to him. And Randy went out of his way, but he just would have nothing to do with it. He was, you know, when you cross him. Uh, there's no going back a lot of most times, I would say. And I think Charlotte, I think she's a little teed off because they got rid of her dad. They cut yeah. him loose. And now she's she don't care anyway because isn't her boyfriend or husband in AEW? Yeah, her fiance Andrade Elidio. So I mean her path is kind of I mean, she's okay. But Vince being held up, and see that makes Vince look bad in the eyes of the other talents. And either he's going to run the team or then you're going to have the Renegades and they take over. And it looked like tonight the Renegades took over that SmackDown show because they looked like they were they were teed off advance and oh, we'll just get you back. That's what it looked like to me. So <laughs> let me let me give you my theory first. Yes. I think this is a theory and you may have heard it, but I don't think you have. And I hit upon this theory I don't know, several years ago. What is the difference between pro wrestling and pro football other than one's produced and one's not? Yeah. Um, what's, what's the difference? Well, uh, What's the difference between pro basketball and pro wrestling? Well, they're, they're paid more, that's for sure. The NBA well, we're not or even... NFL. Um, <laughs> Our pro baseball... Yeah. Okay. They're all pay pay more than even even NASCAR. What's what's the difference? What's the difference between pro wrestling and all those sports? The reason is they have seasons. The season begins and the season ends. Football starts in September, pro football and college football. But by February or 
early February, they have a champion. Then they take the offseason. Basketball the same way. Baseball, the World Series, then they take the break. NASCAR, they end up in the World Cup or whatever they end up with. But the season is over, and they don't start back to February in Daytona when they start their season. Pro wrestling doesn't have a season. And that's the problem. That's the problem with, with wrestling. Because what if you were watching, you could watch pro football, and you tell me what would happen. If you had pro football on every weekend, what would happen to the ratings? It would plummet. because oh, they, be would too, too they would much. go to hell. What, yeah. are they, what are they playing for? Just playing just for the hell of it? Pro baseball. If you had it every week, yeah. After a while, if it was on all the time, you don't want to watch it. But that is the state that pro wrestling finds itself in <clears throat> is wrestling, 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 wrestling. And they just go to the next pay-per-view or they go to next week's TV or they go, but really there's no grand wrap up. See WWE, at least I'm going to give them credit here. At least they try to say, well, a new season is beginning, but I think they need to have at least four to six weeks off season. And then they, and you can still do TV. You can just count what you've done all year round, all year long, and just recap it and come forward with it. I don't know if you could do that or not because they won't. I'm sure most of the contracts read uh, new content. Yeah. Because that's basically what WWE now, they, they're a content provider. And they want that fresh content that, and if you think you ever, you ever counted how many hours WWE does? Live every week, I do. It's uh, seven Which, seven hours between the uh, Raw, NXT, and SmackDown. Yeah, that's a, and that's and multiply that by fifty two or fifty. That's three hundred and fifty hours of original content every year. They have to do. Now, if you add in AEW, what does AEW do? They do three. They do. They do three three hours a week. Well, it's really two hours live because most week they they only uh, tape Rampage live on certain weeks, like pay per view weeks, and then when they do like the Saturday night dynamites, like the last couple of weeks. So Rampage is taped yeah. every week. Okay, but that's still original content. It is. So it's still a hundred and fifty hours for AEW. But do you agree with that? If if they need an off season. I've been a proponent of that for a long time. And I felt like when WWE was at its height, when they were, you know, getting a lot of talent from the independent scene and other promotions, and they had enough of a big roster, I thought the thing to do, if you need to do original content, you have all the guys like your Seth Rollins, your Edge, your Roman Reigns, your Brock Lesnar, that's there most of the weeks. Well, not Brock Lesnar, but everybody else that's there most weeks. You could take a four-week period where those guys are off, and then you take the guys from NXT and you put them on television for those four to six weeks that the other guys are off. And whoever gets over, those are the guys that are kind of coming to the main roster and stuff like that. They can do it in that way where they're still get, providing fresh content, but they're giving their their full-time major stars time off. So then we, when they come back in six to eight weeks, they're fresh again and they are renewed because they've had all that time off. And they also, you know, the fans are going to want to see them. You could, you could pop a big rating in the time that you have those guys off and then they return you get that return pop which is one of the most favorite tropes that wwe goes to well 
All I'm saying is now I don't think it's wrestling's fault because it's hard. If you were writing, say, do you want succession? I my my uh my mom actually watches oh, it. It's, I don't it, watch it. It's, yeah. it oh, it's a great it's a great show. And every week that I watch it, I don't know who's writing the show, but they know exactly what they're doing because every week I sit back and I say, Well, I don't know what they're gonna do now. They work themselves into a corner and they'll come back the next week and run right through it. It's a it's a great show. But it does 10 episodes, then, then they're gone for eight months or whatever it is. But you're looking forward to that next to that next uh, series yeah. uh, uh, episodes to come out to see what's, what happened. Let me tell you what not to watch. We're supposed to be talking wrestling. We're talking other stuff now. <laughs> you know the Saints of Newark? Yes. Yes, I do. Did you see it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Overrated, really? It's produced well, but you know, I thought it would be more about Tony. It's more about Chris and his his dad, which to me, they were like, they were underneath Tony. Yeah. So it should ought to have been about uh, the Sopranos, but it, it wasn't. It was about it was about Chris Monte Sala or whatever his name was and his dad. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, who were these people? I know who they are, but I had to think. But anyway, en enough on that. That's, I mean, that's, basic, that's basically like if they put on the NXT guys, they're going to be like, where's Roman Reigns? And that's how it was on SmackDown tonight because I, yeah. I, I, I had that question a few praying. times during the show. Thank God for, for Paul Heyman. Yes. Because his interview was the best one on there. At least, he, at least he made sense. I didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. But not, we, so. we should talk about the opening uh, interview that we were about to talk about with the aforementioned Charlotte Flair. Uh, she noted she's now a six-time SmackDown Women's Champion, but she's not ke she's not keeping count because she says she had a nice little line here where she says, you know, when the other female wrestlers win a title, they're like, oh, you won a title. And when Charlotte Flair wins a title, yeah, it's just that was good. Friday. I like that line. That, that, uh, that she, was good. <laughs> She says but, that she's she's not only the face of the entire company, uh, she's like she's not only the face of the division, she's the face of the entire company, and she wants to be a mentor for the other women and a locker room leader. Sasha Banks comes out and interrupts. Banks demanded a title shot, but Flair said this is a new era, and that she wants uh, she talked to Sonya Deville, and she feels someone new should get a shot at a, a championship contender's opportunity. Uh, Banks claims that Flair's just scared of her, but suddenly Shotzi interrupts and came to the ring, got a great pop, a great reaction from the crowd. The crowd started chanting uh, Shotzi, um, and she said that she wants the opportunity at Charlotte Flair. Charlotte liked that idea and agreed to the match. What did you think of all of this opening promo between the three <clears throat> ladies? Okay. I, that was probably – it was at least it was organized. Yeah. And we know Sasha was coming. Shotzi was a good way to get her out there and get her into the scene. The only thing I disagreed with was why would why would Charlotte agree to a title match? I mean, well, it wasn't a title match. It was a championship contenders match, which is basically the new number one contender. I mean, the new non-title match. Okay, just they confused me on that one. Yeah, but I can see her t her taking the challenge and turning down Sasha. I got the pretty decent match. Yes, but again, it is it is what it is. 
it, but I really missed, I really missed tonight Roman Reigns. I missed oh, him tonight. 100%. The match went over 11 minutes. Uh, the uh, Shotzi was distracted by uh, Sasha Banks. It was kind of mistimed because Charlotte already moved out the way, but Shotzi still was running towards Sasha. She stops to not, you know, collide into Sha Sasha Banks, and then Charlotte gives her a big boot and the natural Vince, selection Vince, for the win. Vince must be watching the show. He's calling me. <laughs> Hang on, Vince. I'll be right with you. <laughs> After the match, uh, Sasha Banks uh, tries to help up uh, Shotzi, but she pushes her away. Uh, Shotzi yelled at Banks for uh, making her lose and then attacked Sasha. She visually beat her down around ringside, threw her into the tank, and then she hit the ball pit, the uh, senton. The fans loved Shotzi throughout the match and before the match, but booed her when she attacked uh, Banks. But it was actually, I, to me, it, it kind of sounded like piped in booze. It didn't really sound like the fans themselves what did you think of Shotzi coming out getting a great babyface reaction and then turning heel I felt like that was the bad move because we talk about it all the time whether it's the well, male or the females they need baby faces and she got a baby face reaction and then they turned her heel I don't know what it is either they're tone deaf of going against the grain they went against the, the grain with Becky Lynch Sasha, they kind of like her, but they'll accept her as a heel. Yeah. This girl, they bought her as a baby face and then turned her heel on a heel. So it, it doesn't make sense. I would have rather had Sasha, uh, the girl saying blah, 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 and then Sasha berate her, then slap her, then beat her up. Yeah. Because if, if, if Shotzi needs something, feed her, feed her to Sasha the next week. Because what are they going to do? They're going to have Sasha come out and beat up this guy. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. it was, to me, it's, it's, it's reverse booking, and it will not work. It just won't. If, if you confuse the fans, those are your customers. You're depending on them to buy pay-per-views or to buy merchandise. But if you confuse them, like, I don't know. I don't, you know, you, you're, just turning, you're just turning money down. What was the second match? I didn't like the first one. I, I liked mean, the interview okay. I, I liked I liked the match. I just it was just like this was an episode of everything that I like had a big butt to it. I don't I don't agree with the move to make Shotzi uh heal. I know that's their that was their plan, but you don't have a lot of baby faces that are over like that. And I don't remember Sasha yep. Banks turning babyface. Sasha Banks has been a heel since she turned on Bianca Belair and she backstabs everybody, whether it's Bianca, whether it's Bailey, how is she a babyface now? But I guess this whole heel turn was to establish Shotzi as a heel and that and that Sasha is the babyface now. But I don't know what they're going to do with it. Because usually you can see when they do something, they, they did it for this reason. I think they just did this just to have something to do. Yeah. But it would have worked the other way around with uh, Sasha doing it because that made Sasha a bigger heel. Now, what is what is Flair supposed to be, Charlotte? Is she a heel? Uh, Charlotte is a heel. She's Are, definitely a heel here. <laughs> I don't know. I'm there. I, I think. I think they're. I don't know what they did during this whole week, from last Friday to this Friday, but this whole show was turned around. I I can agree there. 
Uh, next, we had a short little segment where Caleb Braxton was about to interview Jeff Hardy, but Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss interrupted. Moss told a bad joke, and then the heels walked off. I didn't get that. What was what was that joke? I uh, I I think it was um what. Uh, why, why don't do... witches? Why don't witches get pregnant? Yeah, because, because they have they have false weenies or wieners. I don't. I don't. Hallow Halloweeners. Halloween. Yes. It's so corny. It's actually kind of funny. Exactly. Like when you think about it, it's like that was so bad. I have to. Hello, like hollow, I guess. Hollow yes. wieners, I guess. Yes. So I bad. Know. Um, They recapped what happened uh, last week, our segment of the night with uh, Brock Lesnar going berserk on Roman. Hey, that was the best part of the show was a recap from last week. It was. It was. Because remember how, how quick the show went last week? Like first 30 minutes, 35 minutes. And the last hour and a half, he was going, God, please get this over with. Well, and it, continued, like they it continued this week. They picked up right where they left off. It was a, a boring first hour. We'll get to the second hour in a minute, but don't believe me. We'll get there. Uh, earlier today, we got a uh, from earlier today, we got Adam Pierce uh, spoke about Lesnar attacking him. He called himself the uh, the the heart of the management of the management mm-hmm. of the corporate engine that is WWE. I thought that was a great heel line from Adam Pierce. Uh, he said he will not allow anyone to disrespect him. And Pierce said he called Lesnar this uh, morning and fined him one million dollars in addition oh, to the suspension. That, nobody believes. He fined him $1 million. Don't you think that's excessive? I would say why so. Not, why not $50,000? People would have bought that maybe. 50000 or no more than a hundred, but fifty. Yeah. But he fined him $1 million. This whole I, I show was him to pre- say yeah. $1 million, like, like, like Dr. Evil. Oh, it was it, that was preposterous, and I've never used that word before, but it was just crazy. He was fined $1 million. I'm thinking, come on, guys, please at least stay in the realm of believability just a little bit. I'm begging you. You think they ran this show by Vance? I mean, I can see that Vince probably ripped up the, the original script, and then this is what we got. I can see more of that than this is like what Vince was like. Okay, let's do that. Um, following up from the Pierce promo, we had Paul Heyman was watching in the back. Kayla Braxton approaches him. She wonders what would be Lesnar's response to the fine. Uh, Heyman tried to avoid the question, but Avenger would go to the offices and beat down Adam Pierce. Uh, Heyman couldn't believe Pierce had the nerve to talk about Brock Lesnar last week like he wasn't in the arena. And then Heyman realized that he got so worked up in what he was saying, and he ended the interview. I thought that this was brilliant work by Paul Heyman. Him and Kayla, Kayla Braxton just have a great chemistry, and it always hits in these backstage segments. What did you think, Dutch? Oh, that was very good. It was mostly Paul. And, and Kayla, she does her part, too. But she always has that little bit of a smirk on her face. I don't guess yeah. She needs to get rid of the smirk on sometimes. Yeah. Because, you know, it kind of makes it like uh, it's like tongue-in-cheek. Uh, maybe that's the way she wants to do it. I don't know. But Paul's interview was actually believable, again. Because he was getting worked up on Brock. Then he caught himself. 
And without saying anything, he, he just switched scares and because he'd almost tipped his hand a little bit. So they're still playing that story. Did they ever even mention where uh, Mr. Range was tonight? Nope. Didn't, didn't mention it, not once, from Paul Heyman or the Usos. We didn't hear where Roman Reigns was. I mean, you don't, you don't have to hear where he is, but it almost be like you would keep your fans informed that he is attending a meeting or doing something to contribute to his success in WWE, but not a word. And nope. that is very—that's very unlike them too. Yeah, it, they at least just, they at least drop something in usually, but they didn't this week. And I don't know, I, I don't know if that's ineptness or it was deliberate. I'm kind of leaning to the side of the ineptness part after seeing this show. I think it may have just may have just skipped them a little bit. Uh, so what, what was our other segment here? Our other, so we've, we finally other got boring to the, segments. We finally got to the second match of the night with Drew McIntyre. He did an open challenge, which was accepted by Mustafa Ali. Uh, he comes down and bragged about his skill and promised to beat McIntyre. He got a nice little, uh, the fans broke out in a you suck chant. Uh, McIntyre had the early advantage after he threw Ali across the ring. Ali tried to fight back, but McIntyre rocked him with a hard chop. He goes for the Claymore, but he misses. Ali fought back. He goes for like a uh, 450, no, a Tornado DDT, but uh, McIntyre reverses it and locks on a, a Kamara lock and gets a submission win. So I, I actually like this segment here because it, it gave McIntyre a new finisher, a new way for him to finish people instead of the Claymore. And I like the fact that they're trying to get McIntyre wins back after he lost so much on his way out of Monday Night Raw. Although though after the match what something i didn't like was oh, i didn't um, like this either at all <laughs> michael cole and pat mcafee tried to talk about king woods and then ali interrupted he was furious that the fans were booing him and cheering for mcintyre and he claimed it was they were booing him because his name is mustafa ali so basically it sounds like we're going towards the um the claiming racism. racism yeah and i was just like WWE never does this type of storyline very well. So I'm very apprehensive about this one. What did you think? Oh, it's horrible. If people wants to say that the fans are racist because of his name, you're indicting every one of them. Yes. Now, I'm sure you, you have people out there who that might fit maybe 2%, 3%, I guess. But you can't call everybody that because did you did you feel the fans they just sat yeah. down they yeah they, they yeah they were it. they were booing him before that and then he said that and they were just like they kind of reacted like womp, got, womp, womp. yeah we we don't want to hear that i don't think we're going to hear that again i, I really don't well, i'm gonna tell this story one time i was in well one time the last time i was in wwe you know, Zeb Coulter was supposed to be the the right wing radical, and but the way I was doing my interviews was it made sense. Yeah, and a lot of people were agreeing to me, so they wanted me to go out one time, and I was talking to Titus. What was Titus? His former partner, um, Darren Young. 
Darren Young. They wanted me to go out there and say what I got against them is affirmative action. And I went, guys, I don't want to say that. They said, oh, yeah, that's that's what they want you to say. I said, why? I said, this, this other stuff. I said, I guarantee you, when I go out there and I say affirmative action, now I'm racializing. I'm just making Zeb Coulter a straight-out racist. So they said, well, well, do this. And I even went to Triple H. I said, hey, man, I mean, you're going to kill this character. I mean, he's kind of rolling a little bit there. But he said, And he did say this. He said, okay, say it. If they don't respond, they'll take it out. Well, I said, well, get ready to take it out because they're not going to be – they're not going to respond to this. I'm going to take a, nobody wants to hear it. I don't care who you are. They don't want to hear it. I went out there and I said that it was like, you could hear not a pin drop, but it got eerily, eerily quiet. And they're saying, Oh, I know what they're saying. You could read their mind. They said, Oh God, don't take it this way. Please don't, don't lean it. And I went in the back and he come up to me and said, what'd you do? I said, brother, I told you they're going to, they're going to, crap on it and they did he said okay we'll take it out and they took it out they because they said this come from the top they wanted the top yeah. wanted me to say this and i had to disagree because i didn't want to be i didn't like i wasn't racist enough toward mexican but at least i had a point they're coming across the border legally at least yeah. they're breaking the law but see i told them a lot of things about that zeb culture character that they looked at me like I'd spit on the Pope or something like, how could you be in the business so long and have such an odd slant on it? I went, well, because it won't work. I'll tell you what, won't. you know, you don't have to be in the business long to, to tell if things will work or not. I mean, the mood of the country was different then, but they didn't want to hear anything racial at all. And they used to tell me, even when I first got in business, don't say anything like that. I mean, you could say anything else. Just, just don't say it because it's it's a sensitive subject. Whoa, we we I think we lost Dutch there. Uh, the the neighbor's uh, internet might have might have gone out mid census there. So we'll wait for Dutch to uh, rejoin us here. Uh, we should go to the next segment while we wait for Dutch. We saw backstage. It was King Woods and uh, Kofi Kingston ran into Hit Row. Hit Row praised uh, King Woods and was honored to be in the presence of royalty. Uh, they then sang uh, the entrance, the entrance using Woods' name instead of Hit Row, saying King Woods, King Woods. So it was a nice little segment to kind of establish that Hit Row are baby faces now and. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Paul here. He says Dutch was getting great with his with his story. I hope I hope he remembers where he was at. Um, we also got Ozzy saying Sid, what happened with Dutch was uh, Chucky uh, playing with his internet. Yes, he plays with his internet and Braun Breaker. So I guess uh, he was on he he was rooting for Braun Breaker a little bit too much on Tuesday. So Chucky got his internet because it's Halloween weekend, and that's how Chucky works, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we then had uh, King Woods knighting Kofi Kingston. Uh, this was actually a fun segment. This was one of the better segments of the night because King Woods has really embraced this whole uh, character. And it's one of the most played out tropes for heels in WWE is the King character. So we've seen, we 
we've seen heels play it so many times that it's just we're just numb to it and it's not a way for heels to get over anymore but seeing it with a baby face who's having fun with it who's with his uh, tag team partner and Kofi Kingston and the New Day just have a certain chemistry and charisma to them that just works with that uh we got Dutch back we got uh, Dutch back. What happened, Dutch? Hell, I don't know. I just dropped out. I think I have little little gremlins around my house pulling my internet wires out. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad. Uh, it, and he said, uh, Mustafa Ali said that tonight. And uh, I don't think we'll see it again. I hope you don't we don't. Think so? No, I hope we don't because that's a that's a no way street. I mean, sometimes you wonder, what do these create? Do they sit around and just smoke dope all day long during the meeting and drink and say, oh, well, I got a great idea, dude. I mean, but it's strange. It it is strange. But uh, Drew McIntyre, I did like his segment tonight. Uh, He's a good talker, and uh, he can back it up. And that actually made uh, Mustafa Ali kid, it got him some attention. Yeah, because he was competitive, not for long, but for a little bit. And that's how you and I, judging on this, if he doesn't go that racial route, you, I think you might get him over somewhere. Yeah, I hope that they can get like a longer form match because I think they only got two minutes on this night. So I hope they can get like a longer match. It can even be better than what we saw. Uh, I was hey, just- hey, Rick tonight should have been happy because the girls match went two segments. That is true. That is and true. They, and they had a pretty good match. Yeah, they I mean, got, they got eleven Shotsy, and a half minutes. Yeah, that Shotzi girl, she's not as good as Flair, but she hung in there and she did well. She so. did, she did. I just, like I said, I just think she's much better as a as a baby face. Like I've seen her in Evolve, I've seen her in NXT, and even on the main roster. Like she got over. You heard the crowd; they wanted to cheer her. So you have Charlotte there, who's a perfect heel. You got Sasha, who you want to be a baby face. I understand that because Sasha Banks is popular and she has her fans and her fan base that love her. I just don't understand going with Shotzi as uh, the heel here. It just didn't make but sense. What about what about her partner? Her partner is on Raw now, so oh, they they so they, they split separated. the team up. They they split every woman's tag team except for Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, it, who are the women's tag team champions. And that to me doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't have to make sense to me. They're doing it, but I'm thinking that's the hard way to do it. Do these teams work together on who they want to draft? Uh, I don't think so. I just think I just think it's kind of arbitrary. I think it's just Vince and Bruce Pritchard who make those uh, decisions on like who's going where. And to answer uh, this question from Christopher, it's true toxicity. It's one of my uh, other podcasts that I do that's not on wrestling. So yes, if you want to know what my shirt says, thanks, what is what is what is true toxicity? What it's a that? it's a podcast where we talk about men's lifestyle, like me being a father or past conquests with women, uh, what's going on in like latest pop culture stuff. So it's something it's something that's on hiatus now because I've been focusing on this stuff in True Hill Heat. So, but uh, yeah, I, I decided to wear the shirt today, so I like that Christopher asked about it. Um, but Dutch, 
we should talk about the King Woods knighting Kofi Kingston segment. I was just telling the folks about that while you were out. I actually actually like this was one of the segments that I actually did like because I think that the that Xavier is doing something that is regularly uh, it's been played out as a heel role being a king and he's just having fun with it and him and Kofi have that nice chemistry with each other and I like that the Usos were the ones that interrupted them um, claiming that they are the ones and that the being the king doesn't matter and uh, basically this leads to the main event of the evening which is the Usos versus the new day in tag team action so what did you think about the knighting of uh kofi kingston as the hand of the king of king woods and sir kofi kingston well <clears throat> i thought it was boring to be honest and i don't think uh i think they were over more as new day and this is helping i mean this is not hurting them but I just, to me, if I if I had not if I didn't have to watch the show, when that came on, I, I'd have went somewhere. I'd have went channel surfing. I'd have, I'd have, I'd have went somewhere else. They did a they they did what they were supposed to do. But to me, as a fan, I didn't find it interesting at all because they've always said what he was going to do. They've always said he's going to knight Kofi as the yeah. as as the as the right hand or whatever they said. So you kind of already knew what it was for. So if they already tell you, well, why would you hang around and watch it? That's true. I, I, I do get that point. That does make uh, a lot of sense there. So I, I can understand that. I just I just always liked the New Day and uh, Usos matchup. So knowing that was going to be the main event was like, okay, at least I have that to look forward to. And I can get through stuff like the next match, uh, Dutch, which was Trick or Street Fight with uh, Happy Corbin and Cat Moss versus uh, Shinsuke you know, Nakamura oh and Rick Boogs. Rampage tonight had the same thing, a trick-or-treat match. Yes. Rampage, they had it. But this tonight, that happy, I think Happy Corbin was over more before than he is now. I think he's deader than Kelsey's nuts. I mean, that's because he's not, you can't feel sorry for him. And I think it was just, that's an insult to wrestling fans to say, you know, they're going to, Use the, the pumpkins. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And the perfect. And if I have to see Nakamura and that guy play the guitar one more time, I'm going to throw up. I mean, I don't think that's a gimmick. I don't know how it plays on the road. I don't know how it plays live, but I know how it plays on TV. That to me is a is a concession break because if you have concessions. And then here comes Nakamura and that Rick Booze or whatever his name. That's a longer intermission. I would you just stay longer if you if the line was long and they were coming. Well, I'm not going to miss anything. I'll just stay longer. So and I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't. I mean, nobody to me, nobody advanced from that. No, no, because and 
Corbin and Moss take the win, but they got the win because two masked men in Halloween costumes that look like scarecrows uh, hit hit Booze with a single poor cane. So he got knocked off, and then Moss hit his finisher on uh, Boogs to give Moss and Corbin the win. And then after the match, the masked guys took off their masks, and it, it's revealed to be Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza. And yeah. that was the most lackluster reveal that I've seen in quite <laughs> some time. I'm thinking, um, and I was thinking, well, it may be a good way to introduce two guys, I guess. But then when he pulled it off, well, they're not, you know who they are. And so, yeah. okay, I got it. But again, this whole, this, what would you give this rating? One to 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst. Where would you rate this show? Um, Like I said, there was some stuff that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the nighting. I did. I enjoy, I, the, although I said, I didn't like the heel turn for Shotzi. I like the focus on Shotzi Blackheart and establishing her in the women's division. And like I said, I enjoyed the nighting. I enjoyed the the main event. Okay, so, so let's so say that's, I'll, I'll go with a five out of ten. It was average. I'll go with four. I will go with four. I think five is stretching it. Shotzi would have worked better if we'd have had Sasha turn on her. I I totally agree with you. I totally Shady. agree with you there. And now that Sasha would have got more heat. Now she could she could have come back. Now at least Sasha has somebody to bounce off of. As it is, I don't know. And that's I what I thought I was like going to happen when Sasha got in the ring. Like she was cheering her on the whole time. So like during the match, I was realizing, oh, Sasha's a babyface now because she was yep. cheering on Shotzi a lot. And then when she got in the ring, I was like, okay, this is the usual point where Sasha's going to turn back to being a heel and turn on her. And then instead, we got Shotzi to do that. So that was that was really the most puzzling moment of the night. Where is this, sh this Shotzi girl? Where's she from? Um. I'm not too sure. Maybe someone in the comments. I, I've it, it it leaves me where she's uh from exactly. Maybe someone in the comments. How long was she in me. NXT? Uh she was in NXT for about a year, a year and a half. I saw her. I discovered her mostly from Evolve, and then she got signed from Evolve, which is an, and Evolve. Was where is Evolve? It's in Florida, right? Uh, that was based out of like Florida and New York. Uh, I went to a lot of like the New York Queen shows, and uh, that's where she like really got uh, her name out there to get signed to WWE. Okay, let me ask you this since I have you here. I read that WWE going forward in NXT, they don't want anybody with a wrestling background, or they want mostly. Actors, is that right or not? Did you they, read that? They want uh, guys that like have athletic backgrounds that might not have spent like a lot of years on the independence because they want guys that they feel like they can mold and they want guys that are uh, younger than 30 years old. Well, didn't that fail before? Yes, it did. <laughs> I yes, mean, did. Let, let's go back to what didn't work before. Because it's like it's like a football player. If they if they don't play in the when they start at six, seven, eight years old, it's hard for them to pick it up later. Yeah. I mean they can pick it up, but not to be as good as they, they possibly can. So a lot of these actors are don't want to be wrestlers. They'll do it if the money's there. But I don't understand that, do you? 
I, I think it's very puzzling because I feel like they, the golden era for in-ring wrestling has been the last like five years where they got guys from like Ring of Honor and the independent scene. They got the top independent stars. I feel like that's the reason why the in-ring quality has gotten up because they gotten guys like Seth Rollins, AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Tommaso Ciampa. Those are the guys that have gave us like the best matches of the last couple of years in WWE. So it's it's very puzzling, but I do understand it on the other end because a lot of pe- a lot of fans will complain that when a guy is great in NXT, he gets called up to the main roster and Vince doesn't really get the character. So now they're trying to get guys that they know Vince McMahon will like instead of guys that the fans will like. Well, how do they know what Vince is going to like? Because Vince has a type. He he's he's like he's like a guy yeah, that has yeah, a type. <laughs> but he used he used to have a type. Also, the big muscle, yeah. steroided up guys. What did that get him? Almost got him. He almost went to jail. Yes, that that was actually the dark side of the ring episode uh, this week. The steroids trial. It was mm-hmm. on that with Jerry McDivitt, who's a wordsmith. Uh, I don't know if you've ever interacted with Jerry McDivitt. Oh, he called me up one time. Really? When I was booking Puerto Rico, here's another story. When I was booking Puerto Rico. They sent me Dilo Brown and Chaz. What's his name? Oh, uh, yeah, Ch- Chaz. He was the former Mosh from the Headbangers. Yeah. Well, they sent me those two guys. Then they sent me Tiger Ali Singh. Ali Singh. Mm-hmm. They sent me him. They sent me another big guy, Russ something. He's about six foot eight, six foot nine. Russ somebody. Hmm. But anyway, they sent me that talent. Most of the other places, they were paying territories to bring these guys in. But they weren't paying the Puerto Rican office to bring them in. They were paying them, and then the Puerto Rican office was paying them too. So they had a pretty good gig. So Tiger Jeet Singh Jr., I guess his name, we ran this show in a stadium, and it was raining a little bit. And he slipped and fell because he wasn't hurt, but he claimed he was hurt. So he went back and he was going to sue WWE and he was going to sue the office in Puerto Rico. He was going to sue me, I guess. So he went back and he was trying to work through this lawsuit. So McDibbitt tried to call me and I wouldn't take his call. I wouldn't take his call. I wouldn't take his call. I didn't want to talk to him. So he finally called me up and he said, Dutch. I said, yep. Jerry McDevitt, main counsel or head counsel for WW. I think it was WWF then. Uh, yeah. I, I think. And he says, uh, listen, we got a little problem we need you to help us with. Well, what is that? He says, well, you know that Tiger Ali Singh Jr., he, he's suing us. Said he was put in the ring down there when it was raining. And uh, and then he wanted to know, uh, did I do it or did whatever? And I said, listen, I don't want to be involved in this thing at all. And he kept on. Then he got a little smart ass with me. He says, you know, if it doesn't, uh, he says, you know, if you don't want to work with us, he said, we can subpoena you and call you up here. And I said, well, <laughs> I was drinking that day, tequila, 
uh, rum. I drink him rum. And I didn't like his attitude. And he wasn't making me a dime. And the company, WWE, wasn't making me a dime. I mean, I was, yeah. we were making our own money. So I told him, and I don't know anything about the law, but I do know this. You don't call somebody to be a witness without cross-examining them out of court. You got to get a deposition from them or you got to get an idea of what they're going to say. And I says, well, Jerry, I'm going to recommend this. Why don't you go ahead and subpoena me to court and you put me on the stand without knowing what I'm going to say? Yeah, let's do that. You know what he did? What he did? Says, he said, well, thank you for your time and hung up. Because he wasn't about, he knew I was I was teed off at him anyway, because they wouldn't help us at all. We, we would want to get talent for a big show. No, 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 you're not going down here. You're not going down here. You're not going to. But yet on the other hand, they wanted to send us talent to train, but we wasn't getting anything out of it. So now when a lawsuit comes up, they want me to help them. I, I just refuse to do it. Well, I didn't refuse. I said, yeah, you can put me on the stand and see what kind of answers you're going to get. Now he don't know what I'm going to say. And he knew if he put me on the stand in open court, how it would make him look to Vince. So he said, well, thank you for your time. I hung up. Never heard from him again at all. He did tell Undertaker, he says, you know, your buddy Dutch, you know him? He said, yeah, I know him. He says, he's a little bit nuts, isn't he? <laughs> and Mark said, yeah, well, he can be if you if you don't get along with him. And he said, well, and that's all he said. Mark, Mark told me that later. So that's awesome. That's I love that. I love that's a great Jerry McDivitt story. I, I I absolutely love the way he explained the steroids trial. He was one of the MVPs of the entire season three of Dark Side of the Ring. So go out of your way to watch that. But going back to SmackDown, does speaking of people slipping on the ropes, uh, you had Shayna Baszler versus Naomi before yep. the match. Uh, we had the, the segment we talked about earlier where Sonya was trying to talk about Naomi. And then Sami Zayn interrupted. You brought up uh, Survivor Series, but then he was cut off because Naomi was making her entrance. And this was the the matchup between Naomi and Shayna Baszler was another angle in the ongoing saga between Naomi and Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville came out and said that the referee for the match was attacked by Brock Lesnar last week, so she would be the referee. They already had a shirt that fit her nicely at mm -hmm. ringside, ready for her. And um, Naomi towards the end of this matchup slipped up on the top rope uh Shayna Baszler uh like kind of wrestled with her it didn't seem like that was planned at all uh she gets a pin on Shayna Baszler which Sonya Deville doesn't count and then so and then Shayna Baszler reverses it Sonya Deville does a fast count and then after the match uh Shayna Baszler chokes out Sonya Deville so what did you think about this whole segment here in the ongoing saga between Sonya and Naomi Okay, who ch I may have missed that last part. Who choked out who? Uh, Shayna Baszler choked out Naomi. Oh, Naomi. I thought you said yeah. she she uh, choked out uh, Sonya Deville. <laughs> now we got both. We have both our main characters, our general managers. Yes. Of SmackDown. They're both heels. Yes. And 
I don't I, I, I like Sonia being that. I don't I don't think Pierce has to be a heel. No, I mean, not really. But he's the one that got beat up. He could be, hey, he could be the kind of the straight one, but have both of them that way. I think they're working themselves out. Listen, SmackDown went from being better than Raw to now being worse than Rampage. <laughs> in in like a week, two weeks. Yes, I do agree. And I we'll get agree. to Ram, we'll get to Rampage in a minute, but uh, SmackDown tonight, the effort. I guess the work was there, the effort was there with the with the talent, but the uh, the creative part of it was lacking, totally <laughs> lacking. And I, and that's why I asked before, where does this creative team go from Friday to Friday? Do they just go home and smoke dope and drink or what? It seemed like the creative team has taken off since that 30-minute segment with Brock and Roman. But we got a super chat donation here, Dutch, from our my good friend DJ Eric. Oh, He's a great you. supporter. Thank you, Mr. Eric. He says Dutch Mantel is an OG of the Players Club in IWAMS. What so, is that? I, uh, he's gonna have to explain that. He doesn't have to pay to explain that, but explain what uh, uh what I wham. <laughs> yeah, Derek. I, hey, I Eric, you have is. to DJ. You gotta explain it, but it costs you two bucks just to explain it. <laughs> you okay, have to, you have we don't want to get too hard on you. But <laughs> great, he's a great supporter. He's a friend of Dutch as well. I mean, a friend of uh, Kenny Bolin as well. So he's good people. Um. But the final segment on SmackDown to wrap things up on this show, the New Day defeated uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos. I thought that this was a good, fast-paced matchup. I kind of liked the ending, even though the pin kind of came off a little bit awkward. But uh, King Woods tagged in on Kofi Kingston. Kofi took a super kick, and then um, he was pinned. But King Woods came in and did the the roll-up to get the victory with the New Day beating the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. What did you think about the finish and what did you think about this main event here well i'm torn on this main event i think the right guys went over but and I, that won't hurt the usos at all no uh the the mask guy showing up at the end i guess it was a good way to it was a good way to to showcase them at the end but what good did it do i don't know but we already know they're there right yeah, did, did we know? Well, that was just a way to work them into the, in, in, into the into the scene. I guess it was okay, but I think it it started on a kind of a slow note and it ended on a slower note. I mean, it never really got running. It never gathered steam. It never lost steam. It just never gathered any steam. And if you think the first hour was bad, I think the second hour was worse. You agree or no? I, I agree. Really, nothing happened until this New Day uh, Usos match at the end, honestly. Yeah, the, I could have threw that, that second hour in the bin. Well, you know, I don't I don't like to, to badmouth anything and say it wasn't any good. But and remember before, you know, Rick, Rick was always the one trying to say, oh, well, that was horrible. This was this. That was that. And I was trying not to because I found some good in most of it. But tonight, I mean, I looked tonight, and I still couldn't find anything that – and I'm sitting there watching, and I said, wait a minute, if I feel this way sitting here, what does Vince feel like watching it? <laughs> now, that's a live show, right? Yes. 
I bet I, I bet he's on he's on the phone to the, that creative team and saying, "What the hell did you guys do?" I mean, it was. So it anyway, I, I think they the best show at all. <laughs> oh, I think they really still need to work on the girls. I, I think they need to work. And if you let Roman Reigns get away, or somehow if something happens to him. If this is a show without Roman, it just shows you how much he, he means to the. What is? Hang on, hang on a second. What is that? Oh, that's good. My daughter come in here and said, "How's this look? It looks great. Looks great hey. on you." So awesome. <laughs> but uh, it, it was a it, it was a lackluster show, and I'm going to go since it was on FS1. Is that it? Yes. I think Rampage may beat them. I, I wouldn't go that far because the Rampage ratings has been going down. Um, they might win in wait the a minute. key after SmackDown to tonight. Demo. <laughs> yeah. Wait, they had two hours to that go down. That and is I think true. They, opening with Charlotte Flair was okay, but then from see when they didn't open with Roman, I'm thinking, wait a minute, now the whole flow is messed up. I mean, it just this, this show fell off from the beginning. Indeed, so. indeed, I, I totally agree with you, and we're in agreement. I felt like Rampage was the better show as well, and we start off Rampage with the match of the night on either show, yep, which was yep. Ryan Danielson going one on one with Eddie Kingston in okay, the, the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament. The difference between Rampage and SmackDown our Raw. Is SmackDown and Raw always opens with an in-ring. They've been yeah. doing that for 20 years. Yeah. Opening with an in-ring. Why I like Rampage is they open with a match in progress. Yeah. I've, sc I've screamed this for years. I used to do it in Puerto Rico. I would open with a match. I wouldn't do introductions. I would just get right into it. Because when you tune in, you want to see wrestling. You don't want to see this long, drawn-out, I mean... Let's get the people in the mood because that's what they want to see. So I would open with a match in progress. And if I did have an in-ring, I would actually do a second match. Then I would do my in-ring third once I got the people there. So nobody missed it. And it always worked. And I, I went almost two and a half years doing that. And I did tremendous ratings because I, I did different stuff than WWE did. But And my talent in Puerto Rico at the time was nowhere near the talent level of a, uh, of a SmackDown roster or a raw roster. I had half Puerto Rican kids that learned on some little indie shows. And I was trying to teach them what to do and what not to do. And, and basically when you watch my show in Puerto Rico, it was like almost watching uh, a trainee training going yeah. on right in front of you. So, but but when I tuned into Rampage tonight, now you got Kingston and you got Danielson. What is his name now? Danielson? Yeah, Brian Brian Danielson. Danielson. Yeah. Okay. So and, this and, this was 
and a they, brilliant, they a brilliant freaking story which was yeah. basically danielson is clearly the better wrestler but eddie kingston is just too tough hard-hitting and too damn stubborn to give up and he tore brian danielson's chest to to raw meat it was bleeding at my, one point from those my chops. son-in-law was watching it and he says why is his chest all red like that? I said, well, how that Kingston kid beat the crap out of him. That's what he did. He said, damn, he's almost bleeding. I, I said, yeah. He says, have you ever seen guys bleed from the chest? I said, oh, yeah. Years ago, now people may not even, uh, the kids watching today, you'll know who I'm talking about, Wahoo McDaniel. Yeah. Yes. And uh, what's the guy's name that's, uh, they are not, I can't even think of his name, but he was a big six foot six, blonde haired guy. He ran with Wahoo for years and years and years. Greg Val Valentine, Valentine, Johnny Valentine. Yeah. Valentine would beat the living crap out of Wahoo, and Wahoo would beat the living crap out of him. And this just didn't go on. This is what made – I'm way back in the past, people. I'm back in the 70s now, back in mid-Atlantic territory. Johnny Vayette was famous for not going 10 minutes or 15 minutes. He'd go 30 minutes, yeah. 40 minutes, sometimes 50 minutes. He didn't get warmed up to 20 minutes. And he would just, and Wahoo the same way. But he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be fly. He didn't take a lot of bumps. He just went out there and he'd lock in. And especially in the summertime when they would pour sweat. These guys looked like they were really, really trying to beat each other that time. When they throw those chops, some of those buildings would have echoes in them. You could hear it. No people go, whoa. Yeah. And when they left that night, they thought they had seen two guys trying to really win a contest. They did it the hard way, but they did it, they did it right. Because when you can hear a guy get hit, you can't. There's no way you can uh, kind of manufacture that. He's either getting yeah. hit or he's not. And that's what you got in this match because they were throwing those shots. Oh, yeah. And, they were they were and, not pulling up. Kingston with the hard chops, the machine gun chops at one point. You had Danielson with the kicks. Oh, one sequence I really liked was um was Danielson going for the Fujiwana arm bar and Kingston fought out of the hold and like he goes for the other arm. So Kingston used the arm he did have into like a DDT. They both recovered, they exchanged strikes. Uh Kingston went for an integrity, but uh Danielson blocked it. Then Kingston hits a back fist and they're both down and the crowd hey, is that backfist looks like it knocked him out. It, it did. I, I was like, I, I even had to had to brace myself to not wake up my twins because I was going crazy during that point. And then um it and you know like, you know how much effort that takes. That takes yeah. just no, you got to get in the mindset of a shoot. Yeah. Hey, I don't know MMA, I don't know, but I know how to kick a guy. <laughs> I, I I would know how to do a spinning backfist. But if you make it look like you're trying to hit him, I had these series of matches with Lawler one time, and I said, now listen, I'm going to back into the rope, and I'm going to throw the punch. I want you to duck it. And I said, I want you to duck fast because the punch is coming. If you don't duck, I'm nailing you. He said, I'll duck. So when I threw it, 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 it hummed in there, buddy, and he ducked, and you could feel the people, wow, he tried to hit him. Then I would kick at him, and he'd move out of the way. So – 
we had a couple of matches. We didn't really lock up to about five minute mark, six minute mark, yeah, because we were slapping back and forth. But the people were settling in, and they were see we were letting their brain run first because you have to get it into the people's mind. They got to get in a mindset that this is a contest. Yeah, and and they actually believe that because we actually. We were about a 70% shoot, let me say that. I mean, you know, I'm not going to take him down and try to, you know, break his arm or anything. But if I, if, I, if I swung at him to kick him, he either got out of the way or he got kicked. So once you get kicked a time or two and it kind of stings, next time you'll get out of the way. And I told him that, and he said, well, let me do the same thing. So when he threw a punch, I would duck it. But the effort was there that if he hadn't a ducked, I would have nailed him. And yeah. it got into people's minds that we were really trying to beat each other. And I've had people ask me, and this was probably in the early, this is 40 years ago. I've still had people ask me about those matches. I bet. And now this was before pay-per-views. I mean, I think maybe WWE was just starting the pay-per-views, you know, but we didn't have pay-per-views. We just had live TV or live matches. But Memphis used to draw such a big crowd on Monday night during that hot air. We draw 10,000, 8,000 to 10,000 almost a regular basis. Even on our average card, we draw that much. But the people who come to see those matches, they still, even on, when I'm on Facebook or something, they still remember that, and they still bring it up. So. Yeah. That's which a, is it which is a, in the memory. Yeah, well, it was a testament to, to Lawler because he is great. Somebody said, how great is Lawler? Because I remember uh, Bret Hart said one time, Lawler's not all that great. Well, I, I beg to differ with him because Lawler said he didn't do a lot of moves, He did, but he never wasted a move. Yeah. Everything he did, he had a meaning to it and he had great timing and he had great precision with his punches. So, and he knew he could, you know, like a, a good heel knows how to read the crowd. You got to be constantly, if you're a good heel, you're three moves ahead. You know exactly where you're going and you're listening. You listen to that crowd. Those are your customers. You're listening to them. So, and you're taking it here and taking it here and taking it here for that third move to get the pop or to get the, to get the move in. And Lawler was, Lawler was great at that because he drew, he drew money everywhere. Yeah. And I was going to say, because to come to, like, to the conclusion of this matchup, after the back fist, they're both down. The crowd's going crazy because they're both major baby faces. And it seems like Kingston's going to try to get the cover after the back fist. And Danielson just traps him in the uh, triangle choke. He rams him down with elbows to the head. And Kingston gives him a middle finger before yeah. he passes out. I thought that finish was amazing. I thought that this was a tremendous opener, a tremendous... Um, matchup here. How oh, hard was. is it to have this great of a matchup when it's babyface versus babyface? Because I hear that a lot from competitors. It's, it's, how, it's not. Uh, it's not hard at all because no. the crowd was they said was evenly split. Yeah. So that's what you get with babyface versus babyface. And see, I think it actually helped uh, Kingston more than it helped uh, 
Danielson. Yeah. It helped him more because now he's getting a character like Stone Cold because he can do anything now. He can do anything he wants to do because he's about half nuts <laughs> and he is and see and he won't vary from that. He won't try to be a good guy. He's Eddie. I, I had him in TNA and I loved his interviews yeah. then. He didn't really get a chance then, but you know, we were, we were so politically divided back in those days. You know, a lot of guys didn't get a chance, but I heard him do an interview and I said, man, that guy's good. He is really good. But, uh, but they went into this match saying, listen, they, they know what's going to happen. Let's just dig at it because this is as much as Brian, because Brian, he likes, you can tell he likes Kingston. Yeah. And yeah. He said, hit me. He, he said, hit me. They don't, they don't mind getting hit is what it is. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. Now, where was, where was this match from Boston? It was in Boston. Yeah. Well, which was a high you, crowd. Boston and New York, they're 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 tough crowds. If you go in there and you try to be too finessy with them, they'll they'll say, get the hell out of here. But if you got two guys, if they just, you know, bust balls and balls to the wall, that's what the reaction you're gonna get. I guarantee you Kingston left tonight and his fans were still with him. They said, Man, I think and I think you could either and I can see something with them. They have great – see, sometimes when you have two guys in a match, you don't really worry so much about the moves. You worry about the chemistry. Yeah. If they got chemistry, they can do anything they want to do, and the people will buy it. I, I, they, just, they I just love that. how they, they focused on this match, kind of the rest of the show, because um, they came back from commercial after the finish, and they showed us during the break, the, the break that Danielson tried to show Kingston some respect with a handshake, but Kingston walked off. That's then good. We go, then we go to Tony Schiavone interviewing CM Punk, and it just it felt like a kind of like an unscripted segment to really start a, a program between Kingston and CM Punk. CM Punk talking about something completely different but eddie kingston thinks that he's laughing at him or joking on him so he comes in he gets into cm punk's face punk called uh kingston unprofessional and asked kingston if he wanted to go to sleep again he said he just saw what happened mm -hmm. and kingston and punk have to be separated and this felt like they were building towards the pay-per-view what did you think about this whole backstage well, segment? because i i love this almost as much as the matchup it was looking like it was unprompted. You didn't know it was coming. All of a sudden, it happened, and that's the way things happen in real life. It just a guy walks in, and he thinks he hears something, whether the guy said it or not, and he gets in his face. That's how things start, and that was believable. As long as you can take that, you know, wrestling has has been had these stigma on it, and I don't know if it's a stigma or not, of being fake for years and years and years. You know, little kids when they grow up is say your say your prayers, take your vitamins, and wrestling's fake. They grow up with that. But if you can kind of go against that and make them think, well, and I call that the the zone of believability, because yeah. here's you're not gonna believe it. That's too much, but right in here, that little zone right in there, if you can get in that zone and stay close to it, you got them. And I think Kingston, and I think Kingston he can almost work with anybody now if he keeps doing this and having those good matches. It doesn't matter whether he gets beat or not. 
as long as he puts that super effort in, which he did tonight. The only thing I, I, I did like this, but I think instead of dropping, and as soon as he dropped it, the referee rung the bell. Yeah. I think he ought to picked his hand up once or twice and said, okay, let's go. He's out. I think it was a little bit little bit they, too fast. They, but they tried to do it like MMA kind of like with the when, when you tell when you can tell the guy is out, you don't really like lift the arm up. That's more of a professional wrestling thing. I think that's what they were going for, but I do understand where you're coming from. Well, yeah, but you couldn't see his eyes, right? Yeah. So you don't know if his eyes rolled back in his head or not. I can see that it's a little thing, but I would have picked it up once or twice and then rung it. No, I, I do you, understand you, where you're coming no, you, from. You, you're going to get to the same spot. It's just a little bit of, is he really out? Yeah. Because maybe he wasn't out. Maybe his hand would come up. Anyway, great great match. Who give us $2? Uh, we got Jason uh, Robinson. Jason, you're Robbins. a good man. He says, in booking, when should a heel win clean, Dutch? Well, you got to have heels that they – you got to have – your whole territory has to be – has to be uh, gauged like that. I used to put I used to put baby faces over all the time, but when I put the heel over, sometimes something else would happen. Not necessarily the heel would do it. Something else would happen. He would hurt his knee. He would hurt this. He would hurt yeah. that. And that's when you just kind of move the move the the heel had a little heat, but not quite enough. I mean, the deals of using the gimmicks and doing this and doing that. You know, I think you just piss your fans off because especially today, because you're too well educated to accept that as a finish. You used to get by with that because it was just a, 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 a blatant, you know, cheating effort. But you can't get by with that now. But and the heel should win according to what he's got, what you got in the, in the pipe for him. Yeah. You got the baby face coming along and. And it, who should win and who has the most money behind them? So a lot of things you got to think. See, booking is – see, anybody can be a booker, anybody. A 12-year-old kid could be a booker because, say, we're going to have a match, Sid, and the first week I hit you in the head with a two-by-four. Well, okay, that's called a gimmick. Yeah. Then the second week, the kid comes back and says, Sid, you hit Dutch in the head with a two-by-four. Boom, Okay. But that's not really an angle now because now you're even with me. Yeah. So what is to go for? Then the third week, we both take two by fours in there and beat the crap on each other. And then we go to a pay-per-view. I used to tell Vince Russo this. And I say, damn, Vince, they have wrestled each other three times. Now we're asking people to buy a pay-per-view. I said, what we need to do is actually throw the writer in. <laughs> Who wrote this whole angle and hit him and with beat, the two and beat his ass up for the two or fours? <laughs> we might sell some. He said, "Hey, that's not a bad idea." <laughs> but, I love it. <laughs> but again, like in everything else, and I've said this before, uh, it's not the first step that's so important. It's the second step. Yeah, you shoot the first one, but the second one has to be has to be right there. It's got to follow, in theory. What the first angle did, otherwise you're you're out of you're out of sync, you're out of kilter. Make sense? Nah. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. 
Well, we should get to the next matchup on Dynam on uh, Rampage, which I thought was very good as well. Not as great as the opener, but very good. We had Dante Martin going one on one with Matt Seidel. They great pushed match. this. They pushed this as the third beating between the two. Seidel won the first two, but uh, this one was just as good. But Dante Martin is just incredible, Dutch. Like they, that springboard drop kick that he did, he looked like he was in the thirtieth row of the building because he got so high. Like his hops is ridiculous, and he, this was really a showcase for him. Matt Seidel was very uh, good during this. Nice little uh, head kicks. He went for the move that he's used to beat um, Dante Martin in the last two times but Dante reverses it hits a flip stunner and then he hits a, a double springboard moonsault to finally beat Matt Seidel with Leo Rush in his corner what did you think about uh this match here great match now see I don't like I don't really follow Ramp uh AEW that much except for Rampage yeah so I didn't know the history between these two but that kid at Dante Martin I saw him. He worked with, didn't he work with Punk two or three or four weeks ago? Um, I believe he he either worked, I think he he worked with either Powerhouse Hobbs a few weeks ago, or you know, I know he versed somebody maybe it on was, Rampage, yeah. Maybe it was Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. But I'm looking at the reserves of AEW. They have more potential yeah. than I think SmackDown has. I don't know, because... I don't know if it's the three match uh, uh, format they use because three matches is a lot easier to concentrate on. And you can get a guy over more with a three match format than you can a seven match format. That's because true. now they're just a part of a just, you know, here's, here comes the lineup. And, but Dante Martin has a, a great future ahead of him. And guys like that really are good, are easy to book. I mean, you don't have to really do a bunch of stuff for them. Just say go out and do and be yourself. That's the way wrestling used to be. They used to say go out. Jerry Jarrett used to tell me in Memphis when I go out there and do an interview. He said, "Oh, you're wrestling this guy. Are you working with this guy?" And it's just type of match. And I asked him. I said, "What do you want me to say?" He says. Say what you want to say. Just draw. Just sell some tickets. So he told me to go out and get yourself over and sell some tickets. See, that's how much freedom we had back in the day. Now they write it down and, you know. Yeah. Listen, I went to WWE and they would write stuff down for me. And they would give it to me and I'd read it. Okay, I got it. I got it. Then they would say, now you got it? Yeah, I got it. Then the writer would come up and said, you got it? Yeah, I got it. Then he come up to me a third time. He said, you got it? I said, GD it? Yeah, I got it. I mean, how many times are you going to ask me that? He said, well, you <laughs> want to do it here for me? I said, no, I do not want to do it here for you. I said, I've been in the business for 142 years. I can read and I can, I can produce a damn interview. So please. Oh, I didn't mean to make you mad. I said, God, man. I mean, he made me hot, you know? I mean, yeah. you don't get 40 years in a business by not knowing what you're doing. And I maybe not have been, I wasn't up with Hulk Hogan, Savage, and all those guys, but still, I, I went through the same stuff. They, I could do a Hell, most people can do an interview better Hogan anyway. 
is all he went. Oh, and Savage, I we love Randy. Yeah, I, I love Randy Savage because you only had to do half an interview because he said everything twice. You know, like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man, yeah, and dig it. Everything he said twice. So you could do a half an interview, and then you put it together, and then it's a whole interview. So, Pretty I, simple stuff. Uh, uh, I do I do got to ask, uh, before we get to the main event, Dutch, uh, what did you think of your ongoing uh, critiquing of Mark Henry with the backstage interview before the pre-main event? Because I thought <laughs> that this was the best he's done. Yeah. His I, response yeah. to Abaddon was He was, was funny. Awesome. He says, well, I guess uh, Abaddon didn't have an answer or whatever. <laughs> does, it have, does it have a comment? Oh, she spit, she but, spit out blood. <laughs> Hey, I kind of like that girl. Yes. This is the first time I saw her. Did somebody get hurt in that match I read about Britt Baker? Did she get hurt? Um, I'm not too sure. I would think that with the thumbtacks, she probably did get hurt because she just, I, I don't know, these these no DQ street fights, she likes to take the thumbtack spot. So I wouldn't be surprised if she got hurt. I didn't read anything into it, but I thought that this was, this started off weird because Abaddon's gimmick is very strange because he's like a zombie. Uh, okay, type, but I put, I, I put myself in, in the, in the form of a brand new fan. So I'm sitting there. Okay, say you're sitting there and you don't you've never watched wrestling before and you're drinking a little bit and you're by yourself and you turn this on and all of a sudden this damn vampire comes out there. She stands you, out immediately. And you're saying, yeah. what the hell is this? I'm not changing the channel. No. Nope, I'm nope. gonna say what the hell is this going on? I will watch the thing all the way through. Yeah. And she did good. She's a little short, dumpy little thing, but with that mess on her face, and it was Halloween too. Yes, it, it was to me. I was, it was great. Britt Baker is good, and they didn't break the. They never did break that table, did they? That, that, that table was was one of the biggest villains in this matchup because they did a a spinning neckbreaker off the apron and the table didn't break. Then they did a suplex and the table didn't break. I think that's the that's one of the main reasons they had to bring out the thumbtacks because they didn't get the table the table breaking pop. So they wanted a different pop. So they had to go to to the thumbtacks. But I thought that this was started, but, like but, I said started off weird, but it got really good towards the end. End of this did that table have three two slats running down or two supports yeah. running down yeah. the length of it right yeah that's why it didn't break <laughs> you know what they don't know is you gotta you got to what they call uh you gotta they got a word for it you etch it i guess in certain places you make it weaker yeah but there was no weak place made i don't know who put that table together but you know, to break a guitar over somebody's head, you got to take those supports out in there. Unless you do, you're just going to boom, you're just going to bang it off his head. I brought Jeff Jarrett to Puerto Rico one time. I told him to hit with this guitar, and I didn't know he was supposed to do that. So I just gave him a guitar. He knocked that guy out. It went boom, <laughs> and it never broke, and the guy went. Jeff, and Jeff later said, man, you did you did you etch the guitar or what do you call it? I said, what do you mean etch it? He said, you got to take those supports out. I said, well, hell, nobody told me. I'd have yep. take, take, taken it out. So, but anyway, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good finish. And uh, the girls with uh, Brett, they're kind of getting over a little bit now. I kind of, yeah. 
because she's a good-looking girl, and she has these other two girls with her, <coughs> and they're kind of getting over. They're they're nice heaters for her. I think yeah, I think uh, AEW, their support team, their underneath guys, or as I call it, their bench, is stronger than SmackDowns. Are uh, yes or no? I totally agree with you. I think that Roman Reigns is the biggest star. Like he's bigger than everyone on AEW. But when you trickle down after Roman Reigns, it gets weaker and weaker. Whereas like guys like you got your Kenny Omega, who's the AEW world champion, but you also got Brian Danielson, who's just right there with them. You got a John Moxley that's up there with them. You got a Hangman Page. You got a MJF. You got a Darby Allen. You got Chris Jericho, and then you trickle down from there, and you got the young stars like Sammy Guevara, Dante Martin, Powerhouse Hobbs, Ricky Starks. Like, yeah, I, you're totally right. Like, their death is something that just you know, can't is, be matched by WWE right now. I don't know. That, that's hard to uh, – that, that even surprises me that we can even say that. Yeah. But, but see, AEW, uh, I, I like their format. I don't know how their two-hour show is, but the one-hour show is – See, that's the perfect length for a wrestling show, a one-hour show. And then the 90-minute the show we used to do in Memphis was another, was another perfect example. But it's hard to sell a 90-minute show. It's got to be an hour or two hours, or 30 minutes or an hour. So, But the, the hour shows, you can get a lot done in an hour show. It's true. Because, and, but in an hour show, they seem to put – double the wrestling that WWE puts in because WWE takes up all that time with their, with their in rings and some things just, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to call Vince up and talk to him about his show. I'm going to tell him it's upsetting me and my buddy. So I'm we, gonna have to. we need you to do it live on Smack Talk next week. Dude, call them, <laughs> call them live on the show and be like, if they don't, if they don't have a good show next yeah. week, we need a yeah. live call. With yeah, I'm just calling Visig Man like right here on Smack Talk next week. Hey, the first time before I went to WWE for the first time, <clears throat> it was in the 90s. I used to call once a week because that's really? what the old they said. If you want to get booked, call them. Keep calling, keep calling. And I forgot who gave me this. He gave me the he said, What's the worst they can say? The worst they can say is no. That's the worst they can say. He said, So keep bugging them. Do you get the answer you want? I called up there so much, I forgot the receptionist's name at the time. Say her name was Betty. And I said, well, who yeah. is this? Well, this is Betty or whatever. And I called so much, she knew my voice. I say, is Vince in? Oh, no, Dutch, he's not in. But I would tell him you call. And she kind of liked me, and she told him. So, but I called so much, she even, she knew my voice. So, and so I called up there one time and I, and I gave them an idea. I says, you got the blues brothers, the Bruce brothers coming in. They said, yeah. And I told J.R. Uh, Dillon, I said, why don't you bring me in to manage them? And he thought about it and I could, I could feel the wheels turning. Yeah. He said, that's not a bad idea. Let me run this by Vince. He called back 30 minutes later and he says, Vince loves the idea. You start on such and such a date. And I went, well, Damn. I'd have known that I'd have been pitching some crap a long time ago <laughs> because they, they want people to give them ideas anyway. 
Because they need it. They need they need the ideas. They need it. They need something now. So anyway, but but Dutch, tell the people where they can uh, find you, sir. Well, usually in the county jail down here in Florida. (laughs) And no cash bail. I mean cash bail. So bring some cash with you. Now you can find me on Smile on uh, Facebook, Dirty D Mantel, or you can find me on Twitter. Dirty Dutchman one, and I'm something on on Instagram. I forgot what it is. So, I mean, I I got all these handles. I need to put them all under one, but I just you can't do. quite get them. Oh my God! So, but anyways, it's fine. You, hey, you. I got a, I got a new book coming out, and I hope it'll be out by a little bit after. I'm I'm trying to get it out by Christmas. I don't think I'll be able to meet that. But these are all old stories, stories they've never heard. Uh, because if these these old timers used to tell me these stories, and unless yeah. they're documented and written down, they just they'll, they'll die. And sure. and some of them are so old, they're new again. And this time, I'll talk more about um, my, my WWE time when I went back and how strange it was to be in that dressing room. And I've told you this, I, when I walked in the first WWE dressing room in 2013, I was in Nashville, 75 or 80% of the dressing room didn't even know who I was. Really? Yeah. And they said, who in the hell is this? Who called an Uber? <laughs> but, but they knew the name. They didn't know me. Some of them did. And some of them didn't because they, they weren't, they weren't wrestling fans. They were they were fans, but of WWE style. So they weren't old time wrestling fans. But but after I was there a while, and you know they they finally caught on. And I never I never distributed any too much information because if yeah. they wanted, it, I never tried to tell them anything on my own. If they wanted it, they'd come ask for it. I'd give it to them. But as far as me as volunteering this, that, and the other, I never did that because a lot of them look at you, then you're overreaching. And, yeah. Hey, I just wanted to pick up a check. So <laughs> this would be my last time I'd have a job with a wrestling company anyway. So smart, smart <laughs> move. Smart move. <laughs> well, you can find me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, True Hill Heat. We're going live at 11.05 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. True Hill Heat 149 Honorable Death. We're going to be talking about Ring of Honor and the state of Ring of Honor. Is it going out of business? We're also going to be talking about Charlotte Flair and her backstage heat. And we're also be doing our third fantasy wrestling draft with all time ROH performers. So check that out. True Hill Heat tomorrow at 11.05 a.m. Eastern time for Dutch Manto. It is me. It is me, your True Hill Phenom SP3. That has been Smack Talk, and we will see you next Friday for SmackDown and Rampage Review.